TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. The bosses didn't kick us off the air last Friday, so we are back. We have the 6 o'clock hour here on Score North. Scorenorth.com, 1500 AM on your radio dial in the Twin Cities metropolitan area. Score, by the way, S-K-O-R. Scorenorth, scorenorth.com. It is the Scoop Podcast. Carl Anthony Towns involved in a car accident on his way to the airport yesterday. Will he play tonight in New York? Are the Wolves potentially open to buying out players with a March 1st deadline, at least March 1st, in terms of landing on a new roster than being eligible for the playoffs? Are the Wolves open to buying out players? Is there any traction on buying out players? And we have some other notes as well, maybe some background on the Jerry Kill P.J. Fleck history, but we will begin with Eric Harris, former Gophers guard. Then we'll transition to Ramon Umber, Champlain Park High School. He just won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. On Eric, he recently moved back to town. We had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. He was brilliant, so we're welcoming him back. A few weeks ago, he talked about going back to the U, getting his degree, a little bit more about his life background. We'll focus this conversation on him being at the barn last night. For that debacle, Michigan kicking the Gophers behind. And we'll talk big picture whether the Gophers can slot in to the NCAA tournament. And it's pretty pathetic when talking about the history of the Gophers in the NCAA tournament. If you go back to 1997, we all remember that team, right? Eric was the starting point guard. You think about that backcourt, one of the all-time great backcourts in Gophers history. So they make that run to the Final Four. Heck, if Eric doesn't get hurt, who knows? I mean, Clem Haskins to this day is convinced if Eric Harris doesn't get hurt, that the Gophers would have won the national championship. Now that's open for debate but you think about the gophers history in the big dance since then we're talking about only one win it was tubby smith and the gophers over shabazz muhammad and ucla they win that opening game late on a friday night they lose to florida in the round of 32 a couple days later then a few days after that tubby smith was fired that is the gophers only big dance victory since 1997 so yes the gophers getting to the big dance just having a chance to match that win total would be an accomplishment and we can debate whether Richard Pitino deserves a seventh year heck if they make it to the big dance and even win a game then absolutely right when considering how pathetic how low the history of Gophers basketball is but anyway I digress let's talk more about last night moving forward what the Gophers need to do to make the big dance let's welcome into the conversation former Gophers guard Eric Harris Eric welcome back to the podcast I appreciate you coming back on okay you were there last night I suppose if you didn't watch the game if you just looked at the box score and said okay number seven team in the country wins by just nine maybe the gophers were competitive but to me the final score was a bit misleading that was a butt whooping what was your vantage point what was your analysis of michigan's victory over the gophers yes thanks for having me sir um like you said i said the same thing the score final score wasn't indicative of the game um, Michigan dominated pretty much the whole game. You know, they're a great team. They're very well-rounded offensively, defensively. They rebound the ball well, take care of the ball. Point guard gives tremendous point guard play every night. So it was a disappointing loss from the standpoint that I thought the Gophers, you know, would come out ready and take advantage of beating a really good team on their home court, but it just didn't work out that way. 
The shots that the Gophers missed, I mean, specifically the backcourt, specifically, I guess, even Amir Coffee. but you think about that entire backcourt, I mean, they just they couldn't make shots all night. To me, Gabe Kausher should have taken more shots. I think he only took four shots for the evening. Mm-hmm. But Amir Coffey took, what, 15 shots, only made two. As you looked at shot selection, now, Eric, this has not been, this is not breaking news, this has not been a good shooting team all season long. But when you look at last night, against Michigan, did you like the shot selection and just thought, hey, it just wasn't the Gophers' night, that they took good shots and they just didn't go in, or did you not like their shot selection? Well, you hear this all the time, especially in the NBA. They say it's a make or miss league. The same thing for college basketball when you make shots that um, get your defense going, that get guys amped up to play on the defensive end, and you know that gets the crowd into the game. So yesterday you mentioned Amir. Amir is a great player. He's a pro those shots he took, he usually makes them, so he's capable of making them. But overall, they just um, took a lot of tough shots, which when they fall, they're great shots. When they miss, you know, you have to question shot selection. So it was just a tough night, man. The ball wasn't falling, and, um, you know, that, that hurts when you're trying to get a win against a very quality ball club. Eric, when you say that Amir is a pro, I don't disagree that he will make money playing basketball, but it might have to be overseas. When you say pro... Do you see an NBA player in Amir Coffee? I do. And, you know, it, it obviously will have to be the right situation. But um, Amir is so talented. He can pass. He can shoot. He has the length. He's just his IQ is very high. So I'm confident in the kid. I know he could play in the NBA. And the NBA is an easier game. It might sound crazy to some people, but the floor is more spaced out. And with his skill set, he can do so many things. So, yes, I do believe he's an a NBA player. It's tough to quantify passion, but just watching that game, and you were there, so you have a better feel than I do. I was not there last night, but it just didn't seem like the Gophers had a whole lot of fire. Am I wrong in saying that? No, you're right, man. At home against a highly ranked team, you want to come out and just play with so much passion and emotion, and your asset is your home crowd, and like the crowd never really got into it except for a run they made with like maybe eight or nine minutes in the second half. The crowd got into it, but by then it was just too late. You can't. It takes so much energy to come back against a really good team like that, and it's tough. So the crowd wasn't engaged, and like I said, I didn't think they came out with the right energy, emotion, and the mindset that they needed to beat a tough Michigan team. It was just unfortunate. I mean, Michigan went through a stretch in the first half, Eric, give or take, about a four, four-and-a-half-minute stretch where they did not score, but the Gophers seemingly were stuck on 14 forever. It just felt like they couldn't budge from the number 14. It just it was sitting there, right? Like, I felt like the Gophers could have made that first half even more interesting than they did. Oturu makes the shot at the buzzer to make it somewhat interesting, but they had a chance to really jump on Michigan there when Michigan couldn't score for that stretch. You're exactly right. I mean, I think they had 21 at half, and if you're going to – Big Ten basketball is usually low-scoring basketball, tough, physical, aggressive. If you're going to score that that few amount of points, you're going to have to defend at a very high rate. And, you know, Michigan just got all the shots they they wanted to get last night. It, It was, you know, very easy layups, dunks wide open, you know, outside shot. So they gave them what they wanted last night. Expound on that. I mean, you're right. I mean, Michigan made, what, eight of its first 13 threes in the second half. Of those 13 looks, a lot of them were wide open. What was happening with the Gophers' defense 
to allow Michigan to have all those open looks? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, there were some points where they played solid defense and the shot clock, you know, came down to three, four seconds and, you know, they contested some shots. Michigan made some tough shots, but like you said, there were a lot of shots that were wide open, you know, and Michigan got a lot of offensive rebound. I don't know the offensive rebounding numbers, but it just seemed like they were in position all night to get rebounds and putbacks and dunks. So you can't, I mean, they have, they have size Michigan, but you just can't let them get those easy, uncontested looks from outside or inside. How crazy was it, Eric, that it was Eric Curry about 26, 27 minutes into the game. He makes a baseline jumper. Those were the Gophers' first points, Eric, outside of the restricted area. Again, we're talking 26, 27 minutes into the game for the Gophers to score their first points outside of the restricted area. How nuts is that? Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. But, I mean, if you've been following the team, well, yeah, outside shooting has been that Achilles heel. So it just gets compounded when, you know, guys miss their first two or three. And it's, it's just I think it's just mental after that. So, you know, it's tough. But I always try to look at things from a positive standpoint. You know, with that loss last night, they're 17-10. and 10. Four more games, they have an opportunity to, you know, possibly win those four. 21 and 10, you go into the Big Ten Conference Tournament, and if you could have a good showing, what I mean by that is maybe win two or three games, then you never know. So it's still it's still hope, but, you know, you have to win. You have to win out now. Correct. So, I mean, there is hope, Eric, but how realistic is that? Like, what gives you any sort of confidence that the Gophers, for example, can win at Maryland, can beat a good Purdue team, at the barn. Can they win on Sunday at Rutgers? Yes, although Rutgers is even playing better ball of late. Can they win in Evanston against Northwestern? Yeah, I would say that's that's a winnable game, although I'm sure the Vegas line will be something like a pick em. That'll probably be a toss-up game. But can they win those two games? I think so. But it's just it's hard for me to sit here, Eric, and say, yeah, I feel good about them winning these final four games. I think realistically they might be looking at maybe two more wins. Well, no – as you know, no game in the Big Ten is an easy game. Rutgers, they're struggling, but they're going to come out with fire and passion. Northwestern used to be, when, when I played, we used to feel confident about going into their place and winning there, but obviously Northwestern is a totally different program now. And then, like you said, Purdue, and then Maryland is tough. So Purdue is ranked 15, I believe, and Maryland is 24 in the country. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but, hey, you got to just take one day at a time, and that's what I had told Coach Patino when I saw him recently, is just one game at a time. But you got to show up. If they play like they played at Michigan the rest of these four games, then I feel good about their chances. But if they don't, then you could easily go 0 for 4. Sure, or how about the game a few Sundays ago at the barn against Iowa? Now, they let Iowa back in the game late. They were up 16. The game should have been a 20-point deficit. It ends up being really close. But the Gophers scored over 90 that game they made shots that's what's so hard i don't think they're a good shooting team i don't think they run real good half court offense but there are times when they can get out in transition can score some easy buckets where there are times eric where i just don't know this far into the season what gophers team is going to show up i mean do you do you agree with me that night in and night out it's hard to know 
what Gophers team is really going to show up. And if they show up and play, yeah, like they did in the second half against Michigan, overcoming that 13-point deficit, yes, I agree with you. The way they played at home against Iowa, agree with you. The way they played at home against Nebraska, agree with you. But there are so many other times at Illinois, go up and down the list, so many other times last night where they just they play like garbage. And I'm telling you, I still don't even know what they're trying to accomplish in the half court on offense. So it's just for me, it's really hard to figure out game by game what Gophers team is going to show up. No, you're right. So in any sport, it doesn't matter what sport, all great teams, they have an identity. You know what to expect on a nightly basis. No, that's what made us so good. You knew at the end of the day we were going to defend the hell out of the ball. You know, offense may come and go, but we were going to give teams nightmares defending them. So that was, our, that was our identity on the perimeter and inside. You know, John, Courtney, Trevor, Bobby, you know, myself. We, we just got after it. So you're right. You don't know what to expect from time to time with this team. And it's, it's so disappointing because they've shown that they have the potential, I feel, to beat anybody when they're playing the right way. We're talking with Eric Harris. You know what, a little bit more on that, on your 97 team. And does it surprise you? that we're talking now 22 years later, and this program hasn't come even close, remotely close, to matching the success that you had in 97. And I'm not expecting a Final Four run every three to five years, but how about win a game or two in the big dance? Eric, we're talking about a program with only one big dance win since you guys made that run to the Final Four. That, to me, is just too pathetic. Yeah, that that is surprising. I, I I would not have expected that after my playing days with the Gophers were over, but that just shows you how tough college basketball is and, and sustaining a level of excellence like a Carolina or Duke or Kentucky. Like, it's really difficult. And, you know, I guess that's what you're seeing here. So, I don't know. It, it takes time, but it takes getting the right players, too. And um, there's so much talent in Minnesota now that, you know, you have to kind of secure these guys that are in state. But um, to answer your question, no, I didn't expect those results from the program after we did what we did in 97. I'll give you one great positive right now. Daniel Oturu. How good is Oturu? Yeah, Daniel's playing. He's playing out of his mind. And Gabe, too, the freshmen are giving them, you know, what they need and you don't really expect freshmen to be consistent like that but Gabe and Daniel they're playing really well so I mean those guys they're they're doing what they need to do and Daniel was the leading scorer in the first he had a double double in the first half like 10 and 10 or 10 and 11 something like that but he's playing really well right now all right I'll leave you with this with your point guard pedigree how much is the Gophers offense hurting from not really having a true point guard, a point guard that they can rely on to play 28 to 33 minutes. That That's not mm-hmm. Isaiah Washington. That Yes, by definition, Isaiah Washington Jelly is a true point guard, but he hasn't shown us anything to deserve those sorts of minutes. So they really don't have a true point guard. How, how handcuffed is Richard Patino in not having a true point guard? Point guard is like the quarterback in football. I mean, they run everything. They make sure guys are where they need to be. And even when the coach is not telling you something, a real true point guard is going to have a feel for what to do out there on the court. And like I said, a man has the skill set, but that's not his natural position. 
So um, it's tough not having that true general on the floor. And they've gotten they they were able to get away with it from time to time, but when there's situations where you know it's crunch time or it's an urgent situation where a certain play needs to be made and you know things have to go a certain way, sometimes they don't get it done. But um, it's crucial, man. Having having a true point guard is crucial, and it's so underappreciated. But as you can see, it's, it's so needed. So it's been a, that's been. That's been an area of concern the whole season. And, um, you know, at times it's biting them in the butt, so to speak. But I'm still confident. I feel that, you know, like I said, it's all a, it's a mindset with them. When they come out the right way, you could toss that point guard thing out the window because they, they're able to get it done. And so I don't want to make excuses for them. You know, when they play the right way, they can get it done. Eric, good stuff. If people want to follow you on Twitter, what's your Twitter handle? Um, I believe it's Eric R. Harris Jr. Um, on Instagram. I'm defensive specialist on Facebook. I'm Eric Harris. So I look forward to people following me on there. I appreciate it, Eric, and we'll certainly be in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Former Gophers guard Eric Harris. The Gophers are back in action. 7-9 in the Big Ten, back in action Sunday night at Rutgers. When talking about must-wins, they pretty much are in that boat where if they want to be one of those 68 teams selected on Selection Sunday, although obviously a handful of those teams have automatic bids, they know that they'll be in, and heck, the Gophers will have that opportunity, right? I mean, they can win an automatic bid by winning the Big Ten tournament, but I just don't think there's anything, there's no proof to suggest they can go on that sort of run in Chicago, and can they even go on a run here where they win three of their final four or even all four when talking about one game that's at Maryland than another game that's here against Purdue. Although emotion should be running very high for that game. I hope the Gophers show some fire, some passion that game when talking about senior night, specifically for Jordan Murphy, one of the all-time great players in program history. When we come back, we'll catch up with Ramon Umber, Champlin Park High School. He's been in the NFL for 10 years. He just won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. This is the Scoop Podcast on Score North. Welcome back. Score North, scorenorth.com. That's score with a K, S K O R, 1500 AM. It is the Scoop Podcast. My name is Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. Let's catch up now with Ramon Umber, 10 years in the NFL. He played his rookie year with the Indianapolis Colts, something I forgot about in my interview with Ramon the other day. Played his rookie year with the Indianapolis Colts. Hey, mistakes happen. I thought I did enough research. I did not. That's a failure on my end. My bad. My mistake. But yeah, Ramon played his rookie year with the Colts, then had a run with the Saints. Started some games for the Buffalo Bills a couple years ago. Was with the Bills as recently as November, but they then let him go. He also had a cup of coffee with the Patriots going back a few years. And the Patriots brought him back after the Bills let him go just a couple days later. So he played the final handful of regular season games with the Patriots, then was with the Patriots throughout the playoffs run. He was their top tackler on special teams. Ramon Umber from Champlain Park High School and North Dakota State. He joined me in studio the other day. Here is Ramon. It's still a whirlwind after, I mean, we're not talking that long ago. I mean, this month, you got to play in the biggest stage possible. You won a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's still uh, an ongoing process. Um, it hasn't really still sunk in yet. Um, you know, you get the congratulations and the texts and all that stuff. Um, 
But you know, it doesn't really sink in, I don't think, until actually the ring ceremony, we actually see what you got. So for right now, I'm just still enjoying the moment. Do you know when the ring ceremony will be? Uh, sometime in June. Uh, they'll touch base with everybody and let everybody know. I mean, so it's just been a crazy time then, right? I mean, even going back to November, yeah. right? I mean, there were a few days there where you were unemployed, right? Yes. That your previous team let you go. Mm -hmm. You're sitting there. And all of a sudden, you had a history with the Patriots, you ended up yeah. back in the Patriots. I mean, is it just crazy how everything transpired? Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Um, as soon as I got released, uh, my agent talked to me, and we had a kind of a game plan of what we wanted to do. And I told him just kind of sit back a little bit, just, you know, reach out to certain teams. And New England was one of them, and it just so happens that they were looking for a guy in my position. So things just worked out. And, um, you know, I'm just happy that they gave me the opportunity to bring me back. I mean, knowing that culture, that's mm -hmm. a unique situation with Coach Belichick and yeah. everything that they do there. How much do you think that helped and played a role in you getting back there? I think it helped uh, tremendously, um, knowing that I was there before. And even when they released me, that at the time, Belichick said, you know, we'd like to bring you back. But he doesn't see me being, in, uh, being available at the time that they would want to bring me back. So we always knew that there was connection there that they wanted to bring me back and it just so happened, like I said, it just so happens that they were looking for a linebacker at the time, but I got released, so things worked out. What was Super Bowl Sunday like? I mean, did you sleep the night before? What was that like when you got to the stadium? Yeah, I slept the night before. I, I mean, it wasn't my first Super Bowl, so my first Super Bowl was my rookie year in 09, so you know, the nervousness wasn't really there. It was just more anxious being ready to play and, you know, sitting around for that long, just waiting to play in one game. It's it gets not really nerve-wracking for me. It just gets anticipating and anxious and just just ready to go. You know, you've been sitting down down watching film, practicing against each other for two weeks, and now you're ready to play. So that's how I felt about it. That's right. I gave you an extra year yeah. at North Dakota State. That's right. You yeah. were on the Saints team that beat the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. No, I was game. actually in uh, Indy. You were in Indy. Okay, in so you started so in Indy. Okay. So you lost yeah, to lost Drew Brees yeah. and Sean Payton in the Saints in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's correct. So, I mean, you knew, but did you know what it was like to wait all that time, how hard it would be to get back to another Super Bowl? I knew it was going to be hard. Um, you know, that, that loss, like, it hit pretty hard. You know, even though I was a rookie, didn't know really understand the game of the NFL. But, you know, that hurts. You know, you work all that time and effort and into it, and you get to the big show and you lose. You know, that's not something that you want to go out on and uh, end up uh, your season on. So the fact that I had the opportunity to go back, you know, you got to capitalize on that, and we were lucky to be able to. The average career span for, for a player is what, three years, maybe four years, maybe yeah. less? What's, what's been the secret to now having 10 years in the NFL? Uh, just working hard, uh, not listening to what other people have to say. Um, things aren't going to go your way all the time. You just have to pick yourself up and, you know, just keep moving forward and just keep getting better every day and not worried about what people have to say. How did everything transpire in Buffalo? I mean, 2017, you started mm -hmm. a bunch of games, right? Seven, yeah. eight, nine games. Yeah. You started. You know, mm -hmm. did you foresee what took place in uh, November? Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, obviously, I think injuries is part of the game. That happened last year with me, my thumb, you know, breaking, dislocated. Had to miss some uh, about a month or so. You know, that that played a factor in the rest of the season. But, you know, like I said, you got to adapt and that's what the NFL is about is either you adapt or you pretty much get cut so you know you have to adapt and I adapted as much as I could but you know the next year this past year they decided to go a different way which is fine with me because obviously the outcome 
better off in my my hands. Absolutely, yeah. way better off. Okay, yeah. so you win the Super Bowl. What was that night like? I mean. Was the celebration? Did it go deep into yeah. the morning, then going back to Boston for the parade? How oh, much yeah. fun was that? It definitely went into the night. Um, we had a great time celebrating with my uh, friends and teammates and uh, my family. So, you know, that was a, a moment I would never forget and I always would cherish um, through memories, with uh, through texts, and just even through uh, just guys that I played with. So, that was a tremendous and uh, time I won't ever forget. All right. So, are you a free agent now again come March, or do the Patriots have exclusive rights? Uh, I'll be a free agent. Um, we'll see how things go. Um, not making any decisions, and I'm just going to play it by ear. And you know, if they want me back. I'll definitely listen, and you know, we'll see how things go. I mean, I suppose this isn't the first time you've been a free agent, so you know what yeah. to expect come March. Yeah, this isn't my first free agency go around. You know, I know what to expect. Um, with me just being a vet, you know, I just want honesty and and, and you know, just trust. Um, I don't want to be told something and done something a uh, different way. You know, I'm old enough, I can take it. Just tell me the truth and we'll work things out. Correct me if I'm wrong, the Vikings have had some interest in you in the mm -hmm. past. It's still the same regime, right? I mean, Spielman, Peyton, yeah. Zimmer. I mean, the same brain trust is in place. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about, I mean, have you, I mean, have you so, thought at, uh, at some point, hey, it'd be great to, to maybe even finish my career with the hometown I mean, team? I mean, that's always a thought, but at the end, you know, this is, this is the business, so. If they call, I'm willing to listen, and, you know, if things work out, they work out. But, like I said, it's a business. You, you can't decide where you want to go, really, at, especially this late in your career, um, unless you get multiple offers, and you can decide. But usually at this late in your career, you get uh, usually one or two offers, and they usually don't come at the same time. Your time at Champlain Park High School, your time at North Dakota State, how did that shape you as a player, as a person that you are today? Uh, it shaped me tremendously, just work ethic and just... Like I said, now I listen to what other people have to say. You know, I was always down upon because of my size, but you know, if you don't worry about what other people have to say, then you can do anything that you want. I mean, have you always had that chip on your shoulder? Yeah, I pretty much have. Um, I knew what I was capable of. I just needed the opportunity, and when I get the opportunity, I take advantage of it. I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's been one heck of a of a journey, yeah. right? I mean, did you ever foresee, as you're playing at Champlain Park High School, that all these years later you'd be talking about a 10-year NFL career? I didn't foresee it. Um, I just always knew I, I, my goal was to make it to the NFL. Um, then once I got in the NFL, you know, just take it year by year, because um, you know you never know your career can end in one play. So, you know, you just got to take it year by year, as I took it, and next you know I'm 10 years in. Did it come realistic then when you got to Fargo at some point, as you're multiple years into your Bison career? Uh, not at first. Uh, at first, it was um, I had to learn you know, the next step, going from college, or going from uh, high school to college, you know, it's a different step, games faster, guys more physical, and, and speed picks up. So that was a learning curve, and then just like going from college to the NFL, it's another learning curve. But once you get more comfortable, you understand the game and how, you know, teams want to dissect, or how just uh, physically and mentally prepared you have to be week to week, and things uh, turn out pretty easily. Your flexibility, your versatility, your your ability just to to star to thrive on special mm -hmm. teams how much has that played a role in in you lasting this long uh it's been by pretty much my whole career um i wouldn't have made it this far if it wasn't for special teams and you know i took advantage of the opportunities i took a, i was given on special teams and then whenever i had a chance to go out and start you know i'm going to take advantage of that 
And, you know, obviously things didn't really work out. Teams don't see receive me as a starter, which is fine. Um, I'll get, you know, take it any way I can. You know, if you want me in special teams, that's it. You know, I, I do pretty much do anything you can to help the team. So that's just my, my role. But then when you started all those games for Buffalo, mm -hmm. you proved that, hey, I'm more than a special teams guy if you need me to be. Yeah, I think I proved that. Um, I think I proved that I'm pretty much a good secondary uh it's not just a starter, but also the second, the first guy you want to bring up before somebody gets hurt. And I think I proved that not only just in Buffalo, but I proved that when I was in New Orleans for about six years, that I was able and capable of doing that. So, you know, Buffalo saw that and they gave me an opportunity and, you know, I tried to take advantage of as much as I could. Do you think you've flown under the radar here in Minnesota? I mean, you know, that's like Larry Fitzgerald yeah. Jr., right? You think Minnesota and the NFL, Larry Fitzgerald Jr., uh, Michael Floyd. I, I mean, you've played yeah. in two Super Bowls, you've now won a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, is there a sense that, hey, time for me to get some recognition? Uh, I really don't, it doesn't really bother me about recognition. Um, as long as my friends and family know who I am and know my accomplishments, and a lot of these people in the NFL and coaches know my accomplishments and what I've done in the NFL in my career, that's all that matters to me. I don't, recognition is not all about for me. Take us through the next few weeks. I mean, do you really just lay low until about March and then kind of ramp up workouts? Uh, yeah, just kind of relax, be with the family, um, go on the trip here or there, and then, you know, start working out here, get ready to go. I mean, has it just been unbelievable with all your family and friends here in, in the Metro just, you know, reliving those moments with the Patriots? Yeah, it's definitely uh, a good time right now in my life. Um, you know, you win a Super Bowl and then you never get all this uh, congratulations like you did compared to when you first get drafted or when I was undrafted. So, you know, those 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 memories and those uh, accomplishments are something to cherish. Thinking about the quarterbacks of the teams that you've been on, I mean, Peyton Manning, mm -hmm. Drew Brees, yeah. Tom Brady. I mean, that's as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah that, that's crazy. Um, I, I would like to see somebody else that had a reign of those quarterbacks throughout their career. But, yeah, that's something special. Um, you know, three Hall of Famers. Um, you can't, can't get any better than that, really. Um, Tom Brady. I mean, his his uh his work speaks for itself. Drew Brees, always be able being able to be consistent throughout uh, his whole career, and Peyton Manning, as you can tell with his accomplishments, you know, Hall of Famer. These are all Hall of Famers. So the fact that I'm able to play with three future Hall of Famers, I something I don't take for granted. and I truly cherish. What do you think the the secret is to Tom being able to still play at a <laughs> such a high level into his 40s? Uh, and heck, Drew too, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, they just had tremendous work ethics. Um, First guys in, last guys out, um, and they just take care of their bodies, and they're, just, they're smart all around. They know the game of football, they know how to dissect the film, and they know how they've pretty much seen it all on as far as the offense, go looking at a defense, you know. So it's a mind, it's a chess game when it comes to playing those type of quarterbacks, and you know, obviously, if you don't play chess, then you're behind. So you got to play mind games with them when you got when you go up against them. From afar, I mean, is it true that? But the Patriots fan base is as rabid as, as it seems. I mean, they don't take yeah. any of these trips to the Super Bowl for granted, even after yeah. all these wins. I mean, I'm thinking about the send-off you guys had at Gillette, yeah. you know, when you left for the Super Bowl. You know, mm -hmm. then looking at the, at the parade in downtown Boston, I mean, it was yeah. nuts. Yeah, they're, I mean, Patriots fans are crazy. You know, I love them. Um, they were there from the get-go and there from uh, to the end. So, you know, there from the send-off and even there we got back, you know, the parade, you know, that was just, it's something very special and I'm 
truly honored to be a uh, be a Patriot. Leave you with this, okay? So those four days, was it four days? You get uh, released, and then the Patriots sign you. Was it about yeah, four or five it was, days? Yeah, uh, Saturday they released me, and then I. Monday night, I knew I was going to sign with the Patriots. Okay, so it was pretty quick. Yeah, but it was pretty what quick. was what was those forty-eight hours like? Uh, just figuring out. All right, let's get the family back to the house. <laughs> so that was pretty much it. And then it's taken from there. And then, you know, it was lucky that both bye weeks, uh, Buffalo's bye week and New England's bye week, both fell, fell on the same time. Mm. So, you know, it was kind of crazy just traveling back and forth for those first couple of days, but. You know, things worked out. From Champlin Park High School and North Dakota State, Ramon Umber, linebacker Ramon Umber, just won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. We await free agency for Ramon, and yes, the Vikings have had some interest in the past. He's not one of those first wave of free agent signings, but he's a guy, as you're looking to fill out your roster, looking for some depth come later in March, into April, maybe even into May, he's the kind of guy that can absolutely help you because of his great play on special teams. When we come back here on the Scoop podcast on Score North, scorenorth.com we'll get to some notes on the local teams stay with us welcome back to the scoop podcast score north scorenorth.com score s-k-o-r 1500 a.m among teams the twins beat out for marwin gonzalez was the white Sox the twin signing gonzalez to a two-year 21 million dollar deal he was making the drive up from miami expected in fort myers at some point tonight so he'll undergo a physical either later tonight or tomorrow morning should be on the practice fields tomorrow so assuming he passes his physical then the deal will become official 12 million dollars this year, $9 million in 2020. There was some parameters talk of a three-year deal. Ultimately, they settle on a two-year deal with Gonzalez's agent, Scott Boros. Yes, the Twins all of a sudden, with Alex Kirilov, with Royce Lewis, have an excellent relationship with Scott Boros, who still represents a number of free agents, including Dallas Keuchel, Bryce Harper, of course, and Gio Gonzalez. Never say never on the Twins adding yet another free agent, but the sense is from texting with a Twins official that unless Keuchel or a Craig Kimbrell comes way, way down on the money that they are asking for right now, that it's an extreme long shot for the Twins to land one of those big fish arms. On Gonzalez, where he will play, that is the popular question. I can promise you the Twins are not paying him $12 million to sit on the bench. The Twins regime, the new regime, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, really grew to love Eduardo Escobar. They miss that versatility. They will find Gonzalez at bats, I promise you. He can play every infield position. He can play in the outfield. Yes, he is insurance, but I'm just telling you, I expect him to get at least 500 plate appearances. They are going to play him. They will find at bats for him. He will play all over the diamond. Going back the last two years, he has played all over the diamond minus catchers. So the Twins add Marwin Gonzalez, the former Houston Astro, two years, $21 million. He turns 30 before opening day. So they get him for his ages 30 and 31 seasons. Not too shabby. The Twins will have to make a 40-man roster move when they make the Gonzalez signing official. Also, you figure this butts somebody off of the 25-man roster. The popular question is, will it be Willens Ostadio? The Twins value his catching versatility. Nothing has been decided. Let's see how March plays out. I was texting with a Twins official that's been in baseball for 30-plus years. He reminded me, and he's spot on. 
Let's not overreact to anything we're seeing right now. Check back with me in a few weeks. So let's see how March plays out for a Tyler Austin, for a Willens Astadio, for a Jake Cave. But yes, clearly, Gonzalez has promised a 25-man roster spot. So somebody that maybe you thought would make the team now won't make the team. But nothing has been decided here on February 22nd. Although clearly with the 40-man move, something will be decided. Keep in mind that guys like Tyler Duffy and Tyler Austin are out of options. So those would be some names to keep an eye on. Zach Granite is also on the 40-man roster. Another interesting name to keep an eye on. Caught myself wondering as I was talking. I was actually multitasking, which is unbelievable. I actually checked with somebody via a text. Tyler Duffy actually has one option year remaining, so he is not, I repeat, he is not out of options. Still a name to keep an eye on, but the Twins do have a little bit more time to decide on a Tyler Duffy when thinking about the 40-man move with Marwin Gonzalez. Former twin Irvin Santana signed a minor league deal with the Chicago White Sox. If he makes the team, his base salary will be over $4 million. I've been asked, hey, were the Twins in on bringing back Irvin Santana? Was their interest? Hey, did the Twins make a comparable offer? They did not. The Twins did not have interest in bringing back Irvin Santana. They did not make him a minor league offer. To the Wolves, Carl Anthony Towns will not play tonight in New York. He is entering the league's concussion protocol. He got into a car accident on his way to the airport yesterday. I actually talked to Carl Anthony around 12.45 or so. They had a 2 o'clock flight, so presumably he went from Mayo Clinic Square to the airport. The accident happened somewhere there in between. We actually checked with the Minnesota State Patrol. They poo-pooed it. They didn't want to provide our newsroom, KSTP Television, with much information, much background. The point is, Towns was in a car accident. He did eventually fly to New York later on, on Thursday night. Took a commercial flight, so he is in New York with the team, but he has entered the league's concussion protocol. So he is out tonight against the Knicks. We'll wait and see about tomorrow night in Milwaukee. But with the back-to-back, hard to see him getting over that hump, the concussion protocol in just a short amount of time. So I was told by a Wolves official they don't think this is any sort of long-term situation, that he seemingly is okay, but when you're in that concussion protocol, that is never a good thing, an injury to the brain. So no Carl Anthony Towns tonight, and it's hard to see him playing in Milwaukee tomorrow night, but nothing has been decided yet about tomorrow, that maybe he could clear the concussion protocol at some point and be back relatively soon. But all we know right now is concussion protocol out for tonight in New York. Jones is back, but Gorgie Jang is also out tonight for personal reasons. I checked with this Wolves official. He did not have an update whether Gorgie would rejoin the team tomorrow in Milwaukee or back in Minnesota early next week. So I don't have an update on Gorgie outside of knowing that the Wolves are down their top two centers tonight in New York. Also on the Wolves, I've been asked, hey, are the Wolves open to buying out guys like an Anthony Tolliver who would welcome a buyout, Taj Gibson? There has been no buyout talk whatsoever. Not that that couldn't change maybe into next week. The deadline really is March 1st. If you're going to buy a guy out, he wants to be on his new team by March 1st, so he's eligible for the playoffs. But nothing right now, no traction whatsoever. So as of now, all appearances are that the Wolves will go forward with the roster they have. Isaiah Kanan's 10-day contract expires after tonight's game. All signs point to the Wolves not re-signing him. And if they did re-sign him, it would be for the rest of the season. So look for Isaiah Kanan to move on after tonight. On the scouting front, the Wolves had scouts over the last week at the Gophers-Indiana game. You think about Romeo Langford of Indiana. The guard has a chance to be a lottery pick. They also scouted the Butler Marquette game. I was texting with an NBA scout who was in Des Moines on Wednesday. 
watching the Iowa Wolves take on the Texas Legends in the G League. Former Gopher Nate Mason plays for Texas. This scout said it's pretty obvious that Nate is not in tip-top shape right now, coming back from that serious injury, that hip injury, but he made some shots. He scored 17 points. He can play. He has a chance. He'll have to keep going in the G League. The season goes for like another month or so. Then he'll have to hook up with somebody in Summer League. He'll have a chance to impress during Summer League. But I wouldn't give up hope on Nate Mason maybe one day achieving his dream of playing in the NBA. This scout said, hey, he looks like he belongs. He has to get in better shape, but he certainly looks like he belongs. Here were the NBA teams that scouted Gophers Michigan at the barn last night. The Bulls, the Cavs, the Spurs, the Hawks, the Rockets, the Clippers, the Hornets, and the Grizzlies. That was the most NBA teams at a Gophers game at the barn this season. The Knicks and Pacers, by the way, scouted the recent Gophers-Nebraska game in Lincoln. I forgot to pass that along a couple weeks ago. There were a couple basketball recruits at the Gophers-Michigan game last night. Kerwin Walton, the junior from Hopkins, and Javon Hadley, the junior from Matamida. The Gophers have an offer out to Walton. They have not yet offered Hadley. They've done a ton of homework. Rob Jeter, the Gophers assistant, is the point person on the local recruits. I could see at some point, maybe in April or May, although depending on the coaching situation, things could change. But if it's the current regime in place come late April into May, into the beginning of the AAU season, I could see the Gophers eventually offering Hadley of Matamidi, but nothing yet. There were some football recruits at last night's game. Caden Johnson of Minnehaha Academy and Craig McDonald of Minnehaha Academy. Johnson, a linebacker slash tight end. McDonald, a safety. They spent some time with P.J. Fleck. Johnson is the number one recruit in the state in the class of 2020. I know he really, really enjoys P.J. Fleck. On the Jerry Kill, P.J. Fleck situation Kill hasn't liked Fleck for a long time. Why he went public with his comments the other day is beyond me. Jerry is doing well. He's now a full-time AD at Southern Illinois. I'm not quite sure what he thought he would accomplish by saying what he did. Now, from my standpoint, give me something to talk about, to write about. Thank you, Jerry. Right, He provided all sorts of fodder, but I'm not quite sure why Jerry would go down that road. Those two also got into it when they were recruiting Boye Mafe. The defensive end from Hopkins, who's now on the Gophers. I know that Jerry and PJ had a little run-in at Hopkins High School. I know that Jerry left PJ a scathing voicemail after PJ got the job. I'm just not quite sure why Jerry just doesn't let it go. I know he's upset that his guy got fired, that other assistants lost out on jobs, Mike Sherrill's and so on. But Jerry, you need to move on. Now, Eric Kaler, the university president, somebody in his office, did reach out, the word is, to Southern Illinois, seeking out some sort of apology from Jerry Kill. And so far, no traction whatsoever on that. I would be surprised, very surprised, if Jerry Kill offered up an apology. Toronto also had trade interest in Charlie Coyle before the Wild sent him to Boston. The Islanders have checked in on some of the Wild's other forwards, including Granlund, and Stahl. Stahl does have a limited no-trade clause. He is a pending free agent. On the Vikings, I know there's mutual interest in a Dan Bailey return. They will meet with a number of agents in Indianapolis next week, including Bailey's, Sheldon Richardson's, and many others. We'll get more into the Vikings next week. The local combine connections include Blake Cashman, former gopher, Danelle Green, former gopher, Ryan Connolly from Eden Prairie, the former Badgers linebacker, Amani Hooker, the Big Ten defensive back of the year, Park Center High School, Iowa Hawkeyes, and offensive lineman from Apple Valley High School, Sioux Falls, Trey Pipkins. Next week will be an incredibly busy week for the Vikings. Rick Spielman will meet reporters in Indianapolis on Wednesday. Mike Zimmer will do the same on Thursday. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 
205. Have a great weekend, everyone. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.